When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and you're listening to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to giving you simple and scientific strategies to help you take back control of your mental health and life. In today's episode, I'm going to replay one of the sessions I did at my 2021 mental health retreat. Before we begin, I want to remind you that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat. Before making any health decision, please consult your personal physician. Just a note before we begin today's episode, if you enjoy listening to my podcast and want to get access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, sign up today to become a Patreon member. Every month I will be releasing special bonus podcasts on topics you have requested, doing live Q&As and more. When you sign up today, you will get immediate access to two podcasts on topics I think are so important and pertinent, how to become less emotionally reactive, and how to capture and edit thoughts before they become harmful. You will also have access to exclusive digital downloads and become part of a special community. Sign up today at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Caroline Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. Good evening, everyone. Well, I think some of you have seen me on TV with my wife. I'm Big Mac. I've been married to the brain for 33 years. So who's been married for 33 years in the audience? Anybody here for 33 years? Stand up, sir, so I recognize you, and lady. And come and see me at the book table. I'd like to present a gift to you. 33 years? 34, yes. The, the Whitby's from Macon, Georgia. So I've got a good memory. All right, well, first of all, my wife and I, Caroline and I, we thank God that you're here. Let's start with that. Because you're here to learn a lot of stuff this weekend. And it's not about you, it's about you in this world. To help others, I've got to get used to this mask. <laughs> no, on and off, yes. Um, it's about you helping others. So we that's why we've laid it out classroom style. So you're going to get... A lot of sessions, a lot of practical application. We want you to leave here being able to a certain extent to help people. You'll see on your tables there's a QR code. We are planning a certified facilitator program launching next year. And for those that are interested, you can get onto the QR code to get more information and to sign up. And hopefully some of you will become our facilitators in the future. We had several in South Africa, and they did very good with all their clients in South Africa. And we're reintroducing some of those principles, but obviously more dealing with toxic thoughts, stress, depression, anxiety, all these uh, scary terms that we hear. And we hope to demystify many of them tonight and over the course of the next two days. Um, I have a few notes, so we're going to start at 5.15, Caroline will start talking, we're going to, she's going to be speaking for an hour, then we're going to do half an hour of Q&A, so it's your chance to ask questions, and then afterwards we'll have uh, christianmingle.com, <laughs> so you can mingle with myself and Caroline, just mingle. <laughs> All right, so if you want to know more about the CMECU certification, it's on your table there. Um, in terms of your seating, you're all spread out, and I did ask some of the audience members earlier uh, this evening whether you wanted to be in a long session, we rope it off for the VIPs, or you wanted the central session or the central uh, air positions, and it seemed to be that the central positions were preferred. Is that correct, everybody? You're all happy with that? So tomorrow you're going to be joined by another 350 people plus, and they're going to be seated on either sides 
of you both. Okay, so that'll be roped off for VIPs. So we appreciate you wanting to sign up for the VIP sessions, and we want to honour you tonight. So just quickly, um, who's been here to one of our conferences before? Okay, a few hands are raised. Um, you'll know that there are long sessions, lots of talking, uh, lots of um, teachings, and in between we have coffee breaks, and there are restaurants that uh, we've tried for years to get them to serve more healthy food, and to a certain extent we're succeeding. So there's a lot more healthy options there. If anybody wants to know any other options around here, uh, organic or farm-to-table, sustainable, non-GMO, we'd be happy to give them to you. In terms of parking, who of you have rooms here? Okay, so you can use your key to get in and out of the parking. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get internet for all of you in this room. It's 20 rand per... 20 rand, I'll just come. $20 per person uh, for internet. So um, if you want to sign up for that, I can arrange that for you if you want internet over here. Um, in terms of... Uh, the admissions, the um, today's session is general admission, VIP session two. I think you have the list. Has everybody got the list of all the different sessions? Okay. Um, sorry, I got lost there on email. Did you, have you all got the list of all the sessions? Not. Go to yourconference.com, drleafconference.com, and you'll be able to get it on there. So, And on your emails as well that we sent you, but the schedule's on your emails. So you can see it on there. But we'll announce each, each one as well just before. Okay. And then um, CME, CU people, are you here? Okay. Did you get the details of how to sign in, log in? Okay. Any questions, please feel free to ask me. Um, I'll be at the book table in between the sessions to answer any questions on the books and so on. We seriously are going to try to keep to the times. This is very important, the conference times. So if they say X, X, I'm going to be in the back there coercing you all to come in so that we can get keeping with the time schedule. Um, a lot of you know me, I like to tell jokes, and I'm actually stumped because I went and looked up mental health jokes and I didn't like any of them. <laughs> because to me, it's not, a, it's not a funny business. I know we're supposed to laugh in life and things like that, but... We're going to get serious in this conference because we want to be able to teach you so that you can help others in this conference. But I still come back, gravitate, and I think many of you have not heard me, to my first and only joke that I really, 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 really love. And it concerns this vet that took... Uh, uh, there was a, uh, a guy who brought this dog into the veterinary surgeon and he said, something wrong with my dog. And the vet looked at the dog and said, that dog is dead. He says, how do you know? He says, well, I've been practicing for many years. That's a dead dog. He says, I want a second opinion. He says, okay, it's going to cost you 50 bucks. He says, I'll take it. So he whistles in the back. In comes the Doberman and sniffs on the Labrador, sniffs on the dog and walks out. And then he goes into the cupboard, picks up a cat from in the cupboard, puts it on top of the dog, picks up the cat, puts it back in the cupboard and says, that's a dead dog. He says, how do you know? So we just done a lab report and a cat scan. That dog is dead. <laughs> So I was trying to choose a neutral joke. <laughs> okay. Well, enough of me. I want to introduce you to my beautiful wife and partner, business partner, friend. I was going to say lover, but I mean, I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> all, all this. You mean they all know about that. Okay. <laughs> so that's us, the Leafs, and hopefully you'll leaf with good expressions. Okay. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Welcome to conference number eight. I am so thrilled that you're here, and this is a special VIP session, and I'm here for you. I'm going to be mingling at the back. You can take photos with me. I'm going to sign your books, and hopefully we'll have enough time to answer your questions. And I'm really, really honored that you came out to spend, in the midst of this you know, very scary time that we're living in, to come and manage your mental health. So well done to all of you. I am so honored to to be here with you over this weekend, and I can't wait to share everything with you, and I just want you to give yourselves a really big clap for being here tonight, so let's just get this conference going, and let's, 
dive in to what I think is an incredibly good place to start, and that is with self-love. So the very first session that we're going to be talking about is how to set boundaries with yourself to love yourself, and that basically how this is related to how to find your identity and your value. Now, I know you've probably heard some of these terms before, and I know boundaries is all over the place, but I'm not going to talk about boundaries that you set with other people. I'm going to talk about the boundaries that you need to set with yourself related to self-love. And one of the reasons I chose to start the session, the conference with this session, is because I get so many DMs and emails, and over the years as I've practiced and have been involved in this field, so many people saying, how do I control the inner critic? How do I deal with those intrusive thoughts? How do I deal with this hatred of myself, with this constantly putting myself down? Because that is such a common thing. Do you know that this is such a common thing? 95% of people, and personally I think it's 100%, but according to the research, 95% of people battle with intrusive thoughts that the majority of those intrusive thoughts are condemnatory towards yourself. And so I wanted to tell you tonight that until you love yourself you're not going to be able to really love others as well as what you can do. It really does begin with yourself. Your whole mind, brain, and body is designed to be loved by you. And when you love yourself, that is when you can truly reach out and love others. And I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm not talking about it in the wrong way. Because when you love yourself and you still that inner critic and you stop the self-sabotaging and all those kinds of things, that is when you will actually find yourself poor out love on others. Because as you're going to learn from the psychoneurobiological links, the mind-brain-body connection, psychoneurology is the faint word for the mind-brain-body connection, as you're going to learn over this weekend, whatever you are thinking about is becoming a physical reality in your brain and your body, and that's what you generate. You may not see the electromagnetic little waves that you're generating, but if you are hating yourself, it's going to come out in to, towards how you are, it's going to come out in how you're in your relationship with other people. And it's going to come out in ways that are negative and toxic, and that's then going to in, in turn affect yourself and give all this sort of set up this whole cycle of negative feedback. So we need to understand that our mind, brain, and body, three things, mind being psycho, brain, neuro, body, biology, the psychoneurobiology of our functioning is all designed to be based around the concept of love. We are literally wired for love. And if you followed me for a while, you've heard me say that often. We see in our biology of our brain and our body that there is nothing inside your brain and your body that is wired for toxicity, for things that work against you. You are wired for survival, which is love. So when we are mad at ourselves and hammering ourselves and self-sabotaging ourselves and doing all these things, we're going against the natural wiring of the brain and the body, and that then will create a toxic effect in the brain and the body, and it's with our mind that we're doing that, and that then will play out in our relationships and how we function in life. When you do what you love, like running, like racing, like enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Insight Tracker can help. Insight Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Insight Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Insight Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way, towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com, Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. So let's dive into the detail, because why do we need to identify this, this um, toxicity we have towards ourselves, or this not having enough self-love? Because it's basically bound up in our identity. If you are satisfied or understand, not satisfied, that's the wrong word. If you understand your identity, if you know who you are, you then know that you have value. And when you have value, you will deal with yourself differently because you will give yourself permission to make the messes in life that are inevitable. Every, every day we're going to be making messes. We've got to be able to tell ourselves it's okay to make a mess because it really is okay to make a mess and manage that mess. 
But we can do that when we're in self-love, when we've set the right self-love boundaries, when we set, set the correct boundaries. But when we don't set the correct boundaries and we allow the inner critic to dominate, when we allow the lack of self-love to dominate, that then is going to damage how we're functioning. Okay, so it's related to identity. So what is identity? Okay, and I know you've heard this before a lot, but I'm going to tell you from a different angle. I'm going to give you the psychoneurobiological understanding of identity. Identity is actually the unique way that you think and feel and choose. Okay, so for a moment, let's hang around that concept. So I've mentioned a word a few times already, and the word that I've mentioned is psychoneurobiology. Psycho meaning mind, neuro meaning brain, biology meaning body. The mind-brain-body connection. So your uniqueness is housed in your mind, the psycho part of you, and your, and your brain and your body. So your brain and your body are uniquely designed structurally, physically, to fit the uniqueness of your mind. Your mind is always working. Your mind is your aliveness. If I had a dead person up here on the stage with me, they wouldn't have anything happening in their brain and their body. They wouldn't be able to do anything. But you are here sitting and listening to me and interacting with me by listening because you have a mind that is active because you're alive. So your mind, part of you, is your aliveness. So the mind is basically driving the ability of the brain and the body to function. Without the mind, the brain and the body are not are dead, basically. They can't do anything. While you're sitting here listening to me, you are basically making 810,000 to a million new cells every second because of your mind. But you're doing that uniquely because each and every one of you is using your mind uniquely to actually build what I'm saying into your brain and body in, its, in your own, each in your own unique pattern. So none of you think and feel and choose in the same way. It's impossible. There is no one like you. The thoughts that you are building now as a result of the unique thinking, feeling, choosing action of your mind, no one has ever built before. So you're hearing the same message, but each and every one of you, and there's approximately 300 of you here tonight, each and every one of you is building a different shape of what I'm saying in your brain and in your body and in your mind. So your uniqueness is in how you think and feel and choose, which is mind in action, thinking, feeling, choosing. Think, I'm holding up three fingers. Mind is think, feel, choose. Mind in action is thinking, feeling, and choosing. You think, feel, and choose at 400 billion actions per second, taking in your experience, and you build that into the brain, and you're doing it uniquely. And what we see as scientists is that your brain and your body are designed for you to think, feel, and choose in a unique way. That is only the way that you do it. But in addition to that, as you think, feel, and choose, you're going to make messes because you can't predict what's coming up in the next moment. You can't control people, events, circumstances, a.k.a. COVID. We can't control what's coming up. But we can control our response to what's coming up. So therefore, life is one big experiment. Like you know you're going to be here this weekend, but you don't know exactly what's going to happen or what's going to happen in between or what phone calls you're going to get or whatever happens when you go from here. In other words, you are, uh, your mind, brain, and body are designed to think about the uncertainties of life and to kind of make messes as you deal with the uncertainties of life. And this is going to become evident with some of the lectures I teach you this weekend about, through the lectures, how you can understand this uncertainty and how to manage the emotional reactions we have to uncertainty. But first tonight, let's understand that your uniqueness is in how you uniquely think, feel, and choose. And when that uniqueness of your thinking, feeling, and choosing is, is basically damaged by the, the cultural environments that we're in, by whatever we're exposed to, etc., that actually doesn't just damage how we think, feel, and choose. It also damages our brain and our body because whatever's happening in our mind is going to play out in our brain and our body. Our mind shows up in our brain and our body. Our mind gives our brain and our body aliveness. So our mind, brain, and body are designed to make unique messes and to manage those unique messes uniquely. And that's what we can handle. 
What we can't handle very well is if we don't give ourselves permission to be messy and we get incredibly hard on ourselves and that leads to a lack of self-love and that distorts your identity and your view of yourself and your value of yourself and that then damages your brain and your body. So once you know how to set a self-boundary, you can then look at yourself differently and you can see, hey, I am thinking that about myself. Is that good or is that bad? So now we're going to track a little bit through this, the course of this lecture. We're going to track how to do that. So the framework for your unique identity is laid down in your gene code, which is your nurture. So your genes then make all the cells of your body. Okay? It's also laid down in your, it's activated, influenced by your upbringing, your whatever you're exposed to, which is your nurture. You've heard of the nature-nurture debate. For years, scientists have debated which is more important, nurture or nature. But obviously, both are important, okay, because nurture can change. I mean, nature, nurture can change and nature can change. Your body can change. Your genes can change. The way your genes function can change. And how does that happen? Through the third fact part, which is the I factor. So the I factor is you, your unique way that you think, feel, and choose. So you've got your basic core gene code, and that's laid down in your in how you are functioning, how you are created physically, how you are designed physically in your brain and body. You've got then the nurturing, all your exposure from in the womb to where you're at now, every experience you've had, that's the nurturing. And then your I factor monitors that process. And the I factor is allowed to be messy. It's okay to be messy. The I factor is this unique mind thing, this uniqueness that is basically how we are processing and experiencing life. So this combination results in our unique worldview, beliefs, communication, and behavior. So what does identity look like when we're operating in our identity that is then flowing with self-love? What does that look like? It looks like, it's, first of all, it's organic. So you never fully developed until you die. And even then, you're going to carry on. Okay? So in other words, our identity it starts at a certain level and it keeps growing. So every experience you have is part of this organic development of your nature. So it's constantly developing. If any of you are familiar with my book, The Perfect You, I go into this in a lot of detail. And I have a, a, a profile in there called the UQ, the Unique Quotient. And in there, you can actually learn how to track the organic nature of your identity developing. And it's, it's a nice tool and way for you to check if you're stepping out of self-love boundaries. Okay, we are more, so when we are functioning in our identity in an organic way, because it's always changing, we tend to be filled with inspiration, creativity, excitement, peace, kindness. We are more self-regulated, more compassionate and calm, and have purpose and passion and direction and hope. So those words are kind of important, and you can expand on those words. There's lots of words that are similar words to that, but it gives you a basic idea. So if you want to know if you are operating in self-love, those are the words that you need to look at in terms of your life. Am I operating in, you can ask yourself now, do I have periods of inspiration? I'm not talking about the avatar life where you're going to be inspired the whole time and creative the whole time. Let's say we have bad days, and it's okay. Give yourself permission to have bad moments, bad days, bad times. It's okay to be messy. Give yourself permission and manage it. But you've had periods of inspiration. You've had periods of creative creativity. You've had periods where you've had a made a mistake or had an argument with someone and then you've resolved it. And when you have that incredible whoosh of peace through your body, that satisfaction, that is your identity. That is self-love brimming through into your awareness. So when you find yourself more self-regulated, when you find yourself in periods of compassion, all of those, so what I want you to start doing from this moment through the rest of the conference and hopefully for the rest of your life is start becoming very familiar with those words and start focusing on those words and maybe take a screenshot of this and keep it in your phone or something like that that you can actually ask yourself or become more aware of am yeah, I'm being compassionate to someone. Okay, I'm in my identity. I'm being compassionate to myself. I am having a moment of inspiration. In other words, I want you to grab those moments and tune into those moments because when you grab those moments and tune into those moments, what you are doing is activating a psycho-neurobiological response, mind-brain-body response, that is activating your normal functioning, your wired-for-love functioning. And the more you practice doing that, the more you'll actually operate 
operate back in your identity and you will recognize when you've been shaped by social media, when you're being shaped by what's going on in your in your work environment, or you, you were shaped by X that happened in your childhood or in your marriage or whatever the case may be. And then you could say, well, that's not who I am. Who I am at my core is this incredible person who's wired for love, who can do incredible things. So the way I'm showing up or the way I am in this moment with maybe a lack of compassion for myself or a lack of creativity or a lack of inspiration or being whatever is not who I am. It is simply a little glitch in my identity and I need a little bit of self-love. I need a few self-love boundaries to be put into place. I need to stand back and observe myself, which is an excellent exercise, by the way, in developing your brain when you stand back and observe yourself. We're going to practice it a few times this weekend. So when you stand back and observe yourself and give yourself a pat on the back for recognize, honor yourself, honor those moments when you feel these words on the screen and develop that that kind of attitude. And, and, and as I said, I'm going to give you lots of opportunities to be able to practice this and ideas for how to develop your self-love for yourself. I used to tell my patients, and I practiced for 25 years, I used to tell them so often that Yes, you may be having relational problems or you may have these behavioral issues going on in your life, etc. But when you start loving yourself, the quickest way for you to fix and repair a relationship or something is to first start loving yourself. Because when you love yourself, you generate electromagnetic fields. And this is hardcore Einstein's theory, related to Einstein's theory and years since of work around this area, this field, that as humans we generate electromagnetic fields and gravitational fields. And when we are in a toxic state, when we are not self-loving, when we are hating ourselves, we are generating toxic fields. And that's what people feel. So you might have a smile on your face, but you are generating this, this anger that you have in you towards yourself, this hatred, that is what people are feeling. But because people can't read your mind, and because no one is an expert on your feelings except you, and even sometimes we're not experts on our own feelings because we've got to dig through all the morass of mess, which I hope to help you do this weekend, but then people will think it's them. So when you're someone, just put yourself in a situation where you were someone who's maybe just going through a bad time and they seem really angry and maybe aggressive or whatever, and you feel, oh gosh, what have I done? And you kind of take it personally. You absorb it into into yourself and that affects how you're functioning. Meanwhile, it's not you, it's what they're going through, but that's what they've projected and that's what you've done. I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it to each other. So what we do when we give ourselves grace and self-love is we then also give other people more empathy because we realize, okay, well, if I am showing up in this way because I've also been snappy or irritable or aggressive or passive-aggressive or whatever, and I did that not because it's who I am, it's because I'm going through something. There's a reason, always a reason for why there's a period of self-love or a moment of, of lack of, self, of self-love. Then you give yourself that grace, you will give others the same grace. And it's easier to give others grace than it is to give ourselves grace. But we, it starts with us learning to give ourselves grace. So we really need to focus in on this. So the next, let's have a look at the next slide. What slide? What is an identity crisis then? When we, it is, the, an identity crisis is when we are being shaped by the world around us, by people's expectations, social media cultural dictates, toxic relationships and influences. These are the causes of why we have this lack of self-love. Because no one can shape you. Once back in South Africa when I was working in the education system, which is part of the work that I did, three days a week I used to go into the really... um, areas of South Africa that were so badly damaged by apartheid and I would go and work in those areas and I would teach teachers and work with students and teach them about all these principles I teach as well as learning and so on and one day I, was, I always used to start with identity and always teach that and how to do a profile and how to help your students understand themselves and as I was talking one of these teachers stood up and said Dr. Leaf, actually she just stood up and interrupted me, Dr. Leaf you do not know what you're talking about so I kept quiet thought, okay let's see what's coming next There is a student in my class who is so stupid and so difficult that there's no ways that they are wired for love or that they have any kind of perfect identity or whatever wording, the exact wording that he used. And for once, and I'm not easily dumbstruck, I have a lot to say always, and I was dumbstruck. I stood there and everyone went silent and one of his colleagues stood up and said, Sir, 
that child in your class can do something that you can't do. And it is your responsibility to activate that in that child, or that child is in your hands. You know, this happened nearly 30 years ago, and it changed my life. I have told the story a million times, and I get goosebumps every time I tell that story. That room erupted. There was such a deep discussion about identity, and that is why I'm so passionate about self-love and identity, and why every patient that went through my hands, the first thing that we would do is working on identity. It was the first few sessions I ever did. And once the sessions, once we had identity going again and self-love, self-love boundaries being built, I would then still divide my sessions up into identity, self-love boundaries, and then brain building, and then working on whatever issues that a person needed to deal with. Because if you dive into someone's problems, then they think they're the problem. And that's all that they are, that's their value. But that's not their value. How you show up in your life every moment of every day is, has a reason behind it. So if you sh- are you showing up with compassion for yourself, the reason behind it is because you have set a self-love boundary. If you're showing up with a lack of compassion for yourself, the reason for that is because now there is a lack of a self-love boundary. The compassion means you've got the boundary. The lack of compassion means you don't have the boundary. There's some identity crisis going on. Some shaping that shouldn't have happened has happened to you. If you're showing up very angry and aggressive or passive aggressive or whatever the case may be i released a podcast today on passive aggressiveness if you my podcast is called cleaning up your mental mess lots of great information on there passive aggressive is not who you are it is because of something narcissism we all talk about narcissists as though it's it's an identity as though it's a that's not an identity anything that is toxic Anything that is disruptive to who you are as a person and relationships is not identity. It is showing up because of. There's a because of behind it. There's an attack on your value system, on who you are. There's a frustration in yourself that you couldn't live up to something. There's an experience somewhere, sometime, someplace, somehow that has disrupted your identity and your self-love. And the pain of lack of self-love affects how you then are interacting with other people. And I'm not making excuses for the pain that narcissism, that, that, that the emotion and the, uh, the, the um, effect that narcissism has on, on people and in the environment. But narcissism, you can't be a narcissist. You can display narcissistic tendencies because of. We've got to be care- very careful how we label someone. Don't put someone in a box. If you speak that over someone, even if they're not in the same room, the quantum energy exists. That energy goes out. If you know someone and you're speaking about them and you're not in the same room and you're saying things about them, you are, because of the nature of quantum physics and entanglement of the whole fact that we are all connected, and that's a whole quantum... I've got books where I've written about this, so I don't want to go into too much detail now, but we are entangled. It's called entanglement theory. They don't have to be in front of you or in the same room, but they are being affected by your words. You are boxing that person in and blocking them from getting free. What you should say are things like, I can't stand the way that those narcissistic um, emotions or behaviors are affecting me. I don't like it. I need to set some boundaries. I need to do this. But I believe that that person has... Whatever. So you see something, have some compassion. They're showing up because of. There's a reason why. Speak like that about people. You then send quantum physics energy to that person, and they may not realize what's happening, but it's generating a wave of energy that is going to penetrate their psychoneurobiology and help them to have more resilience to start facing the issue. So when you do speak to them, do you want to know how to convince someone that is really hurting you to change or that is in a bad, in a bad state of affecting you? You need to speak very nicely about them behind their back. And I'm not being an ostrich, saying stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend what they're doing is okay. No. Acknowledge, but describe what's happening in a discussion with someone where you're not ripping them apart, where you say this and this and this and this is happening. This is how it's affecting us. This is, what, this is not who they are. There must be a reason. Let's think of the good memories. Do you see what I'm saying? And in that practice of grace towards someone else, you'll start doing it for yourself because I can guarantee you're probably knocking yourself sideways all the time every time you do something wrong. And it shows up in certain ways, which I'll show you in a moment. So when we are being shaped by the world around us, by people's expectations, social media, cultural dictates, toxic relationships and influences, we can lose our sense of self. 
and that affects our psychoneurobiology. We're going to see how. And start feelings of bitterness, rage, anxiety, worry, self-pity, envy, pride, jealousy, cynicism, and a loss of hope. So if you've had any of those, which I'm sure we can all put up our hand, there's a lack of self-love that's starting somewhere, and there's a reason for that. An identity crisis cuts to the core of your being and value, and it impacts how you love yourself. It is, it is a crisis that needs to be addressed. So what does it show up as? Let's have a look quickly now in the psychoneurobiological terms. How does an identity crisis, a lack of self-love boundaries, show up in the mind as? Okay, so these three parts, as I've already said, mind, brain, and body, psychoneurobiology. So mind is the psycho part, okay? The mind has got three t- levels, the non-conscious, N-O-N, non-conscious mind, the conscious mind, and the subconscious mind. Non-conscious is not the same as unconscious. Unconscious is when you sleep or knocked out or you've had an anesthetic. So it's a state that the brain goes into. So I'm not talking about the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind is something different. So the mind has three states. The non-conscious, which operates 24-7 at speeds of 10 to the 27, which is so fast I can't even begin to describe it, even faster than I talk. Okay. <laughs> so then you have your conscious mind, which is awake when you're awake. The non-conscious mind, however, is awake 24-7. And the non-conscious mind, of which you'll be learning about through lots of examples over these over this weekend together, is always driving, never gets tired, constantly working, travels in, in, in beyond space and time, so it operates in like a time machine in the present, past, and future, and it's influencing what you are doing and saying in any one moment. Why? Because it stores every single experience that you've ever had from a, the point in the womb where you can start responding to the age that you're at now. So every experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly, are stored in the non-conscious mind as these great gravitational fields, and in the brain as little thought trees, these things on the stage, but obviously not a tree, it looks like that, and in your body as a change in your cells. We will learn more about that as we're going along as well. So the non-conscious mind is a driving force, always active, never gets tired, works when you're sleeping, you can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, but you cannot even go three seconds without your mind working. Your mind is that thinking, feeling, choosing. So the non-conscious mind is always going. Conscious mind only when you're awake. The subconscious is the bridge between the two. So right now as I'm talking, your conscious mind, subconscious mind, and non-conscious mind are all working at the same time. Your conscious mind is taking in what I'm saying and, and seeing, so all the electromagnetic light waves and sound waves, etc., etc. And your, so your conscious mind's taking that into the brain. So your mind takes it in to the brain. And your non-conscious mind is immediately triggered to and activated to send up existing memories inside thought networks to help you understand what I'm saying. So as I'm talking, lots of different thoughts are popping into your mind every couple of seconds. Am I right? All of you, you're thinking about all kinds of things as I'm speaking, and that's completely normal. That is your non-conscious mind being activated by the incoming information and sending up thoughts that are already there through the subconscious, which is the bridge, into your conscious mind. Now, the, con- the conscious mind needs to learn to tune in to the subconscious mind, which will then take you into the non-conscious mind. And when we do that, that is how we clean up the mental mess. That's how we get self-love going. That's how we get anxiety and all these things under control. And that's how we manage the mess that I keep talking about. So our non-conscious mind is triggering is triggered by incoming information and existing networks. So any experience that you've had that's toxic from any stage of your life, early babyhood, early childhood, adolescence, whatever, yesterday, whatever, every toxic experience is stored as a gravitational field inside of your mind, a change in your brain as these trees and in your cells. So your mind's job, non-conscious mind's job, is to make sure that you get rid of those things because they create a disruption in the energy patterns in the brain, which we'll see in a moment. And they're very disruptive to your survival. So you're allowed to make the mess, but your non-conscious mind then says, okay, this is the mess, now let's fix the mess. How does the non-conscious mind get your attention? By sending information through the subconscious into your conscious awareness. And so therefore, when we, are, when we start tuning in to the subconscious, 
through, through the non-conscious, through the subconscious, we can start learning things about ourselves. So when it comes back to self-love and setting these boundaries, you're not going to know what boundary to set if you haven't actually listened to what you're saying to yourself. So you need to listen to what you're saying to yourself. What are those intrusive thoughts going on in your head? Don't be scared of them. Embrace them because they are messages. If you want to find out how much you love yourself, if you have boundaries or where your identity crisis is happening, you've got to listen to what the non-conscious is pushing through the subconscious into the conscious mind just when you maybe are in a quiet moment you know, in the shower or going for a walk and also in situations where you're being triggered. So your non-conscious mind is always working to help restore the balance because those toxic, disruptive thoughts in the mind, brain, and body are disruptive to your survival. They're disruptive to the network. So you can't keep them for long. And you'll see why as well as we go through these lectures. So you've got to get rid of them. And how do you get rid of them? You've got to tune into them. So our non-conscious mind is telling us that. So if we ignore the messages of the non-conscious mind that is saying, hey, You know, you've got this thing you're saying to yourself, but actually this is not part of who you are. If you don't listen to that flavor or that kind of message, all you're going to hear is, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I do this again? It's always my fault. Look, it always happens to me. I can't believe I did this again. I've always... You see, those messages, if you, if you just keep allow them to keep, allow them to keep on going and going and going in a loop, they are going to basically override a lot of the healthy stuff that is already there, the true core of your nature. Whatever you spotlight on in your brain and mind and body will grow and get more energy. So we water it by just allowing it to happen. So every time you consciously, every time you say these things to yourself, when you don't consciously control them and respond to them, they just get more vicious and more energy and bigger and create more damage and make you feel worse about yourself and attack your identity even more. So that's why you need a boundary. And the boundary is, hey, this is not the truth about me. At my core, I can do something that no one else can do. You contribute something to the world that no one else can bring to the table. I mean, you have a unique way of thinking. It's so unique that do you know that there's no competition for you? No one can compete with you. You are absolutely phenomenal. The thought that you're building right now, no one has built before, as I already said, which produces your unique perception of the world, and that is the piece of the puzzle that only you bring to the table. When you have this kind of philosophy, then there's no need to be jealous or envious of anyone else, because, or to be shaped or influenced in a negative way by anyone else. What you will do is, instead of competition, you go into enhancement. And enhancement is like when two waves come under each other, the wave grows. There's a growth that happens. There's an enhancement. So if I look at you and what you're doing in your life, and I see that it's incredible, and I learn from that, and I celebrate that, I am building an an enhancement pattern. I'm increasing my own brain, mind, and body resilience and health. And I am stilling that inner critic. I'm creating a self-boundary of love because I am not threatened by someone else. So if I'm threatened by someone else, that's a lack of self-love. You need a boundary. You need to say to yourself, hey, I can do something that no one else can do. I don't have to be threatened. That, what that person's doing is amazing. And that, in, that then encourages your intelligence to grow because you don't have to, you can't do what they can do anyway. No matter how hard you try, you cannot do what they're doing in the same way. The way you may do similar stuff, but you're going to do it in your own unique way. So you may look on social media and see, oh, that person's doing the same kind of thing as that I'm doing. No, they're not. It's totally different. So enhance them. Be excited for them. And they may never know that, but they will feel it. It will enhance both of you. We need enhancement, not competition. We are destroying our self-love by trying to be like other people. We are so amazing that if we just came together with our amazingness, we would solve a lot of crises in the world. And I know that sounds so idealistic, but it is so true because I will value each and every one of you and I will value each and every one of your opinions, even if they differ from mine. We live in such a controversial world that as soon as someone says anything different to you, they're bad, they're evil, they're this, they're that. No, they're not. They are talking or thinking in that way because of what they've been exposed to. And if you sat down together and you shared without arguing... Maybe you can learn something. Maybe you can tone each other's extreme positions down just by listening to each other. That builds self-love. That's a boundary. When you don't argue and force someone to believe what you're believing, you're setting a a love self-boundary. 
a self-boundary of love because you're not, it means that you're so confident in who you are that you're not threatened by someone else's differing opinion. You don't have this need to change them to be like you. Trying to change someone to believe what you believe is a lack of self-love because you feel a lack of confidence in, what, in who you are. So you have to force people to think like you because you want, that makes you feel better about you. Your value is then coming from the wrong source. Meanwhile, if you're confident in yourself, you can honor and respect whatever anyone else is believing. And that's so important. That's another example. So it shows up in the non-conscious mind as all the kinds of things that I've been saying. And those, so in other words, this disruption of when we have this lack of self-love, it will show up in envy and jealousy and, and, and self-sabotaging and, and always feeling on edge, that kind of stuff, those feelings. Self-regulation drops dramatically without self-love. When you love yourself and your identity is operating, even though identity, as I've already said, grows, you are going to be self-regulated, which means you're going to snap at your husband like I did um, earlier on today because there was too much things going on and too many things going on, and Max said something and I got irritated with him. My self-regulation popped up because my identity is something I've been working on for years, and I immediately said, I'm sorry. That wasn't necessary. I didn't need to speak like that to you. And immediately that was, so in other words, I called it, I self-regulated. I saw that that's not who I am. I spoke like that because I had a lot to do. And I didn't need to have a lot, you know, I didn't need to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? Whereas I could have stayed without self-love and out of boundary, I would have carried on just being irritated or something. And it would have got worse and it could have led to an argument or something like that, which is not, which is not healthy. Self-regulation drops, which reduces our intuition. Guys, if you want to develop your intuition, which is where wisdom lies, you need a self-boundary. You need to love yourself. You need to value your identity. You need to believe in yourself because at the core of who you are is wisdom. Love is wisdom. You all hold, um, Nobel Prize winning scientists have shown literally that every single part of our brain and our, and our body and, and the way that our gravitational fields operate is designed to help us function in a survival mode. It's for survival. That is why the immune system fights things like the COVID virus, because it threatens your survival. Toxic thoughts, toxic self-love, which looks like a toxic tree. These things are real in the brain. They misfolded proteins. They are damaged to the cytoskeleton of our cells. They are damages in the, in the gravitational fields of our mind. And those threaten our survival. So our non-conscious mind is looking for those all the time. Your mind, brain, and body are working for you to tell you about that, to make, to make your way through your subconscious. So you've got to learn to tune in. This episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger Show. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, packed with actionable content and great for your mental health? Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation. So you're most likely not just listening to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, and that's totally okay. As I always say, the more we learn, the healthier and happier our brain is, and our body and our mind. And I'd love to share podcasts to add to your learning list. The Jordan Harbinger Show a top-shelf podcast named the best of Apple in 2018. It's one of my all-time favorite shows, and I know you will love it too. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Harbinger has an undeniable talent for getting his guests to share never-been-heard-before stories and thought-provoking insights. Without fail, he pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode, all with a noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to better operate in today's world. My personal favorite episodes are his interview with Charles Duhigg on the secrets of being smarter, faster, better, which really got me excited for my own research on learning and mental health, and his interview with Laurie Santos on the practical lessons she has learned from the Happiness Lab. Because let's face it, we all want to find easy and simple ways to practice being happier every day. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The link and details will be in the show notes. So this also in the mind, we also have too much noise. A lack of self-love is too much noise. It's just too much in my head. I can't think straight that I can't 
dive into my intuition. I can't. So too much noise is very linked to the, to the self-regulation dropping. So you see there with the self-regulation, I talk about reducing intuition. We need to monitor how we're speaking to ourselves and critically analyze the thoughts we are thinking about ourselves. We then become less, we will then become, um, if we don't, if our self-regulation drops, we will be less kind to ourselves because you won't use intuition. You won't critically analyze the way you're speaking to yourself. You'll just allow yourself to speak ugly to yourself and speak ugly to other people because when you speak ugly to other people, trust me, it's because you are speaking ugly to yourself. Or don't trust me, it's the science. Or test it out, try it out yourself. Because you don't, that's not who you are at your core to speak ugly to other people. It's not who you are. It's coming from a frustration that is starting with who you are. You're not valuing yourself enough. I cannot stress enough, self-love boundary is a self-value. It is a, a, a confidence in yourself that can, doesn't mean you're never going to get irritated again or get frustrated or depressed. All that's part of life. We must just accept that messiness. But you won't stay there. You will manage it more effectively. You will get out of it and through it quicker. So that lack of self-regulation, the non-conscious mind working hard to make you aware, creates too much noise. We become overwhelmed with the noise of harsh and critical intrusive thoughts. And you put your hands on your head and you think, oh, I can't do this. It's too much. And then anxiety, depression, etc., etc. Meanwhile, if you stand back and say, okay, why is there so much noise? What is the noise? Where is it coming from? Why? How has my identity been affected? Now let's look in the brain. What happens in the brain with a lack of self-boundaries, a lack of self-love boundaries? You get an imbalance in the brain. You get disturbed brain activity and you get toxic thought trees growing, which I mentioned already. So imbalance in the brain is your mind shows up in your brain. Your mind shows up in your brain as energy. Your brain does nothing if you're dead. But if you're alive, which you are now, all your experiences are being processed by your mind into your brain. Your mind shows up in your brain and your brain responds. All the different structures of your brain designed to work towards, have little separate functions that are activated by your mind. The two sides of the brain and the different structures of the brain, including the 200 structures, 200 organizations that are on the top of your cortex that are unique to you, all need to be working in coherence and balance. And when the quickest way to throw your brain into a lack of coherence, to create chaotic energy between the two sides of the brain, which then disrupts the unique 200 different structures of your brain that help to express your uniqueness, okay, to express the uniqueness of who you are, gets disrupted. And so instead of that energy flowing beautifully, like the waves in the sea, if you think of a, of a wave in the sea, you have your huge big waves that are deep out to sea. And then as you come in a bit closer, they're still big but not as big. They're exactly sort of not as giant, the swells. And then you come up closer to the shore and they build into a wave and there's a crest and then it crashes on the beach and then you get little waves and then the whole thing gets sucked back in. And so the cycle repeats. That's what we want in our brain, balance between the two sides of the brain. But it's lack of self-love, lack of self-love boundaries, there's all these things creates a disruption between the two sides of the brain. So instead of the pattern I've described, we're going to have crazy, busy, huge waves, tsunami-type wave activity, which on one side versus then low energy on the other side. And that is, that is very disruptive to all the systems of your body. Immediately your HPA axis, which controls your stress, which actually is designed to work for you, and your endocrine system and your cardiovascular system and your immune system, everything is put under strain because you're in a, your whole being, mind, brain, and body, is put under a challenge. And so the imbalance in the brain is a reflection of a lack of self-love. So it's not the imbalance in the brain that's causing the lack of self-love. It is the experience that you've had and the experiences that you've had in your nurturing and how your eye factor has managed that. That's the thing coming in. Your brain is simply responding. The cause is not your brain. The, the response is in your brain and your body. Because your brain and your body, you need for your mind to show up in so that you can function as a human. You need all of it to work together. Disturbed brain activity is basically, so the first thing then is we get this lack of balance between the two sides. We always want balance, which is lack of coherence. The other thing is we have all these different waves in the brain flowing incorrectly. And I'll give you some examples there. So what we'll see in these lots, I'm just picking on a few, we will see low brain activity in the frontal lobe consistently. And I'm actually going to show you, uh, read it, I'll read it to you, then I'll show you an image of this. We have theta energy, which is another wave, which is, think of the waves that I just described. 
described. The biggest wave furthest out to sea we can call the delta wave. The one that as you come in closer, that's the theta wave. Then as you build up to the one that builds up with the crest, that's beta. The white crest on top of the wave is high beta. And then as it crashes on the beach, it's gamma. And then in between, as it's building up, to that high, the, the high wave with the crest, that is alpha. Alpha is the connection between the big ones at the back and the ones crashing on the beach. Okay? And we want balance there. Now what we see when there's a lack of self-love, we immediately see low activity of all of those. Instead of seeing that beautiful wave pattern that I've described, we see a flat line, close to a flat line, very low energy. And that means that there's low blood flow, low oxygen, which is not good. Okay? So we see a lack of self-love boundaries in our brain as these changes. Theta energy has, um, each does incredible things. And in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, there's a chart of the different waves and what they do. And then I explain that um, as well in, in through the book I give examples. So the theta wave is also known as a healing wave. So when we are in self-love, we activate a boost of theta energy, which then tends to go in and help calm down the rest of the crazy waves in the front. So it's a, it is an immediate reaction. But when we don't, when we increase the inner critic, etc., that theta wave goes flatline and can't do those great things. And that also affects your, that's also where your intuition starts becoming, becoming affected and that kind of thing. Okay, so let's have a look at this next slide, which is, this is one of the case studies from one of my subjects in my recent clinical trial, which is in the book Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Um, I, there we go, it's pictures up there. I was looking for a book and pictures up there, sorry. Okay, so what you see there is that blue represents this flatline state instead of the waves that I was um, explaining. So these are called head maps, and this is using a technology called QEEG, and those are, there's the different way you can see on the screen. You'll see it says delta, theta, alpha, beta, and high beta. And what I want you to look at there is this is the subject over time, and um, I'll be using this example throughout, so I'm just going to explain one part of it now, and that is that when the subject came into the clinical trial day one, the subject's identity was, I am depression. Now, you cannot be depression. Depression isn't an it. Depression is an emotion. It's a warning signal, and emotions are not illnesses. But because of the nurturing, the experiences that this person had had, for all the trauma of their life had been lumped into a label, but no identification of the root cause had happened. So this person's self-value and identity had been shot, years of all kinds of interventions, and this person's identity was shot. They said, I am depression. We put them through the neurocycle, which is a bunch of testing. We did all kinds of brain testing and blood testing and DNA and so on, and psychological testing. And then the, each of the, the subjects in the experimental group, and this was one of the subjects in the experimental group, was put onto the neurocycle, which is the system that I've developed, which we're going to be learning a lot about this weekend as well. And they did it daily on their phone, so they did not have therapy directly from me. And the reason I say that is because you need to be empowered to be able to help yourself not that I'm anti-therapy, I'm totally pro-therapy coaching and counseling, which is why I have a certified facilitator's course that we are bringing back into this country. Um, but you, you've also, you live with yourself 24-7. You don't live with your therapist 24-7. You've got to manage your mind. You've got to, you've got to teach and our kids strategies for managing our mind. So one of the sessions tomorrow, we're going to be talking about children and how we can help them and recognize the signs and so on. So... We there, so that was just an aside. So what we see now, in in um, if you look at that um, that the blue line over there of the blue the blue head maps, we see that there's very low energy at the front of the brain. It's blue, so flat line. This person literally was suicidal. This was their last. They were convinced to come in the clinical trial. They had pretty much given up on life. They just said there was no value. And I remember one of the statements was, "There's just no purpose. There's just no. I'm nothing. I'm just depression." Now, there's no value there, there's no self-love, there's nothing. Within 21 days, the first 21 days, at day 21, the subject came back into the clinical trial, I mean, back into the, into the clinic for the next load of testing, and you'll see there the brain has gone gray. Now, the gray brain shows coherence, it shows balance, it shows that pattern. What we want to see are shades of gray, not the, not the TV show, 
shades of gray, but actually shades of gray in the brain. And it's going to be different for every person. Now, these things, technology does not read your thoughts. It simply simply tells us about the energetic response. So what we know from um, years and years of people that have studied using QEGs, they've studied people who've gone through different experiences. So we have a body of comparison so we can compare. So we know that when someone, uh, when, when it gets into that color, that kind of gray combination, that there is a, a more self-regulation, more mind management, more acceptance, more realization that life is difficult, it's tough, but I can manage the mess. That's what we're wanting. We're wanting someone who's basically coping. And um, the front of the brain where you see the green, that was the, probably the most dramatic thing at this point that we saw. Um, when this, That green there shows that, that there's energy increasing to the right amount for identity to be forming at the front of the brain. So this subject at this point was not, was saying, remember day one, the subject said, I am identity, I mean, sorry, I am depression. At this, at day one, now day 21, they were saying, I'm not depression. I am depressed because of. I don't love myself because of. And I'm starting to see the because ofs, and I'm not scared of the depression anymore because it's a messenger. Radical, radical difference. Now, there's a, this case studies in the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Now, this is one of many, and I'm not the only researcher using this technology. There's a lot of us. There's a lot of research in this field, and we're seeing this consistently. When you help someone start with self-regulation and start learning to understand their identity, we start seeing major shifts in how people are managing their life and mental health. And that's why I wanted to start with this tonight. How does it show up in the body? lack of self-love. It shows up in the body as increased inflammation. As you turn on yourself with self-sabotaging and self-criticism and, and perfectionism and, and whatever, you'll see what the different symptoms are as we, we, we saw a few, you're going to immediately change how your body functions. And there's many ways that we can look at this. And I'm not going to go into every way because it will take us days to get through all of it. But your body and brain respond to everything that the mind puts into it. So the mind is showing up in the brain. So when you are thinking about yourself in this negative way and you're triggered by some experience in your life to add more to this negative self-love and you don't put boundaries around that, then immediately we're going to have increases in something called homocysteine, which I'm sure you've all heard. And But basically inflammation occurs across the entire brain and body and it's very, very quick. It happens incredibly quickly. Um, and so what we saw, for example, in that subject that I showed you earlier, on, if I go back to this slide, their homocysteine levels were extremely high. By day 21, they were starting to normalize. By day 63, which is the time that it takes for, for neural networks to rewire and for changes into your body, in your body to stabilize, minimum of cycles of 60, 63 days, um, that's when we saw, by day 63, we saw that the homocysteine was at normal levels. So then if we look at another one, um, we, um, there is a a validation, a scale that I developed called the Leaf Mind Management Scale. I also write about it in the book. It's in the app, um, the NeuroCycle app, where you can, which is a, it's a series of questions that have been scientifically researched and validated to check how you are self-regulating, how you're managing yourself, how you're able to stand back and observe yourself and catch those thoughts and so on. And so what we saw was that as this subject was learning to manage and self-regulate so the LMM scores improved and, and that was linked that was significantly linked to, to the homocysteine levels dropping. So the more self-regulation, the, the more self-love, the lower the, the, the re reduction in inflammation. Okay, so inflammation initially is not a bad thing. Inflammation is the body's response to protect you, but you don't want to keep inflammation there. So if you've been hating on yourself for a long time, there's going to be high levels of inflammation. Where there's inflammation that's gone on for too long, that's when the potential and vulnerability to disease steps in. Okay, so then um, the other thing we saw was the disturbed HPA axis. Your HPA axis is your hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is your stress axis. Stress is really good for you, but it's got to be managed. And there's a tipping point where it tips into stress working against you versus for you. And one of the main markers, not one of the, it's one of the main markers for the HPA axis not flipping from, from helping you to not helping you is cortisol levels increasing. So we're all familiar with that, so I chose to share that with you tonight. But essentially, when you are operating in self-hatred and don't have boundaries and don't have self-love or you're swinging in and out of it, you are causing 
spikes of um, cortisol to, to get too high. And continued spikes of cortisol, nothing works in isolation in the body. Then it affects everything else too. So even though we're testing individual things, if your homocysteine is high, pretty soon your, your cortisol is going to be high. Pretty soon your DHEA, which is called the mother hormone, will drop and so on. In other words, we're going to get a bunch of reactions happening that will then affect all the vulnerability in your body. And it's going to happen in different ways to different people because we're all unique. And wherever there's a genetic vulnerability in us over time, it accumulates and our vulnerability to disease keeps increasing. So the longer you self-hate, the more your vulnerability to disease increases. The, the more your immune system weakens. And then the last thing I'm going to tell you about body is you get damage to telomeres. Telomeres is, re- is quite a new area of research and we looked at telomeres which are the ends of chromosomes and I'm going to show you the picture because it's easier to actually understand it from the picture. Um, chromosomes look like an X. The ends of chromosomes are telomeres and telomeres are very important for cell division. And I said at the beginning of this, of this um, lecture that you're, you are making about 810,000 to a million new cells every second, the ability that you have to make those cells is very dependent on a lot of factors, and telomeres play a leading role in how the quality of the cells that you make. So if you are in a lot of self-hatred and not managing the inner critic, that that energy from that is going to go in the brain and it's going to affect the telomeres. So these telomeres don't switch themselves on. They are activated to do stuff by how you are thinking. So your thinking activates them. So we talk about telomeres as being a proxy for how we are managing our mind or managing our thinking, feeling, and choosing. So if our thinking, feeling, and choosing about ourselves is a lot of self-hatred, that then is going to affect the telomeres. And if telomeres get short and weak, that then ages your cells. So you don't make very good cells. And cells make up your organs, and organs make up your systems, and systems make up your body. So therefore, your biological age will be, will be getting worse. Um, your cell health gets worse, which means your biological age is worse. So that subject that I showed you earlier on with the blue brain, that, uh, her, um, that particular subject's telomeres were very short and they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, and that person's biological age was nearly 35 years older than their chronological age. You do not want that. And it was a sickly older. So now you, let's say you're 30, but you have a body of a 65-year-old, a sickly 65-year-old. Obviously, you're more vulnerable to diseases, to all kinds of stuff. And also, you don't feel great. And then that feeds back into your mind because there's a feedback loop, mind to brain to body, to brain to body to mind. There's a constant feedback loop. By day 63, the biological age and chronological age of that subject had, were both the same. They had equalized. So 35 years was gained in 63 days of body health. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.